And so the whole idea of service is taking your time and energy and laying it at the feet of others to help make others great, whether that's in liturgical ministries in the church, whether that's in outreach ministries to the poor for evangelization, maybe it's volunteering in key roles in your community. But service is is really making time. And your church, our church, is really important that we got better at organizing because if we're asking people and expecting people to be giving of their time to love and serve others, then we darn well better know how to onboard people, how to equip them to be good at a particular part of that ministry and help them grow in in responsibility and influence. And that's a thing. And that requires leadership. In fact, all of the five systems require both administration and leadership skills. And so as a church, we needed to get better and better at helping the people that were responsible for forming the, and running these ministries learn how to lead. It means we needed to learn how to lead leaders. And if we're going to have great churches that are flourishing, then you and I need to continue to invest in leading leaders, learning how to lead leaders, not just tell people what to do or give them tasks. Welcome to the Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst in the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think laugh and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are powered for impact. Hello and welcome back to the Huntley Leadership Podcast. I'm your host again today. My name is Ron Huntley. This is the second of two podcasts focused on the five systems of parishes going to be a missional parish, we have to be great at all of these five systems and actually taking the time to break them down, to define it, to talk about it, to plan around it, to project out into the future and to set goals. And to do that with a group of people sets you on a path of fruitfulness. <laughs> so I hope that this uh, second of two videos or podcasts is helpful for you. And as you go about your business doing this, send us a, now, a note. We love to be praying and interceding for you. We'd love to hear what you're up against and how you're succeeding. Go to HuntleyLeadership.com and hit the connect button. And uh, also to subscribe, subscribe to the, uh, the um, newsletter. We'd love to stay in contact with you to let you know what's going on. Because we're all in this together and we're all learning. None of us knows exactly how to do this. Least of all, me. I love doing what I do. I love helping people. But I promise you, I learn every single time I meet and coach a client or a diocese. Every time, parish or a diocese, I'm constantly learning. This is not easy, but it sure is rewarding. It's incredibly fun. And I couldn't think of a better way to spend my life helping people like you turn your churches around and make them amazing. So as I mentioned before, this is from Rick Warren's book called Purpose Driven Church. He talks about the five pillars, I think, but then we called it the five systems because pillars don't touch each other, but systems kind of rub up against each other and coexist and, and uh, a lot like our bodily systems. And also a lot like our bodily systems, when they're all functioning well, we can flourish and we don't even notice them. They're, but, but when one of them isn't working, you really feel it. It brings you down. 
And so it's the same in churches. Sometimes we can get very uh, one-dimensional in, in terms of our preferences, what we're really passionate about. And we think if we're just really good at that one thing, everything will flourish. And it's not true. And if you're new and haven't figured that out yet, you're going to. And if you've been around a while and you've figured that out, but you don't know where to go next, this podcast will hopefully help you. So last time we talked about the system of evangelization that is making new disciples, new Christians, people choosing Jesus to put them at the center of their life for the first time because they've chosen to surrender and follow. That's not something we're particularly good at or comfortable with in the Roman Catholic Church, but I know God's calling us to get better, and many of us are, and so that's exciting. The second one is discipleship. So once somebody is evangelized, once they become a new disciple, then they have to go on being discipled. So what does that look like? So we talked about and defined discipleship. We also talked about how a lot of the, the ministries in our churches are going to have a primary purpose. And sometimes if we don't differentiate between primary purpose of a ministry and a secondary purpose, then we're always lumping. It seems like everything belongs in everything. Because in a way, they, they kind of do if you're not considering the primary purpose. And so that's where, you know, at Alpha, people learn all about the Bible. They learn about prayer. They learn about why Jesus died. They learn about the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of learning. So it must be catechesis, right? Well, secondarily, it is sure. But the primary purpose of Alpha is to help people encounter Jesus and put them at the center of their life to become a Christian for the first time and, and to strengthen their commitment to Jesus. And so that's evangelization. Um, now, there's a lot. There's a, does fellowship happen at Alpha? Yeah. People have dinner together every week. They're talking about their kids, their jobs, their, their hopes, their dreams. That's fellowship. But that's not the primary purpose of Alpha. And so do you see what I'm talking about in terms of the importance of differentiating? What's the primary purpose? In this episode two, I'll talk to you about our game plan in terms of our strategy, how we went about doing what it is we felt our purpose was, and how in each of those categories, we'd understand ministries in the context of their primary purpose. And I think as I wrap up today, if you stay to the end, you'll get to see that. We'll talk about that a little bit. We'll give you a visual for that if you're on YouTube. And if you're not, just head over to the YouTube uh, channel and you'll be able to see that or to our website at huntleyleadership.com backslash podcast. So let's pick up where we left off. I want to talk to you today about the third system, which is fellowship. And here's how I defined it. Rooted in Jesus, doing life together with authentic Christian friends who see the best, speak the best, and draw the best out in each other. That's how I defined it. Fellowship. Fellowship is getting together when we're rooted in Jesus. It's not tea party. It's not a beer drinking fast and telling jokes. It's, it's rooted in Jesus, doing life together with authentic Christian friends who see the best, speak the best, and draw the best out in one another. I would suggest to you that... My experience of church and in coaching churches, this is often something that people confuse with socializing. <laughs> uh, years ago, the church was the central place where people gathered for sporting events and dances and dinners and all kinds of fun things, you know, New Year's Eve. And I'm not saying those things aren't fun and don't have value, but that's not necessarily fellowship. Fellowship is rooted in Jesus. So many of the churches that I belong to, if you said the name of Jesus, you were just considered weird. 
which tells you right off the bat <laughs> the chances of you experiencing fellowship in a church that has a hard time uttering the name of Jesus is probably going to be probably going to be hard pressed. And so busyness around socialization is not the same as fellowship. And and again, being clear on your definition is really important if you're going to do any long range planning with your leadership team or your parish pastoral council and goal setting. You have to have the same definition because as soon as you do that, all of a sudden the card games are out. Again, doesn't mean you can't play cards at your church, but that's going to be social. Your primary purpose for that is not fellowship. It might be discipleship. It might be friendship, but it's not rooted in Jesus. Could it be? I suppose. But let's be careful of, of taking what we like to do and jamming it into things that aren't consistent with building a vibrant missional parish. We can be busy doing things that don't contribute to becoming a vi vibrant and flourishing Catholic parish that makes new disciples, forms them, and sends them out to make a difference in the world. Okay? You with me there? <laughs> and that does mean some of the things that you define, you're probably going to come to odds with people at times because they might really like to do something in your church with your space. And the very fact that they're in a church they think isn't that wonderful. Not necessarily. Um, it might be lovely, but if it's not helping us be fruitful to build the kingdom of God, it's probably taking you away from your primary purpose. And so that's how we defined fellowship. Our primary tool for discipleship were discipleship groups or small groups. We'd have invite people to, to be engaged in, in groups at least once a year, um, preferably all year long, but at least once a year, we wanted them to be engaged in a small group where they're doing a book study, a Bible study, so many, you know, maybe on a component of the mass or some of the doctrine of the Catholic Church are just endless ways that we can grow deeper in our Catholic faith and our faith in Jesus Christ and our understanding of the richness of the church. And so we'd want people to do that at least at least once a year in small groups. Our primary tool for fellowship and again, I'll show you the diagram that we used for this at the end of uh, today's podcast. But it is connect groups and connect groups were where Alpha alumni went to connect and grow. Our primary tool for evangelization was Alpha. Our primary tool for fellowship were connect groups. Connect groups were like home churches. They're between 20 and 30 people who would meet in homes every two weeks. And we always said if if the fruit of that time together uh, if if your time together isn't the funnest thing you do in that two weeks, you're probably doing it wrong. It's meant to be fun. Help us to continue to grow in the gifts of the Spirit, to grow in authentic friendship with each other, rooted in Jesus. Other things could fall into that category, but that was our primary tool to help us live out the system of fellowship. All right. So the next one is called service. And so this is how I defined it. Committing time in the love and ministry to others with a heart of generosity in the name of Jesus. Committing time in the love and ministry to others with a heart of generosity in the name of Jesus. So it's basically, are you living your life for others? It's not what we want from you. It's what we want for you. And so the whole idea of service is taking your time and energy and laying it at 
the feet of others to help make others great, whether that's in liturgical ministries in the church, whether that's in outreach ministries to the poor for evangelization. Maybe it's volunteering in key roles in your community. But service is is really making time. And your church, our church, is really important that we got better at organizing because if we're asking people and expecting people to be giving of their time to love and serve others, then we darn well better know how to onboard people, how to equip them to be good at a particular part of that ministry and help them grow in, in responsibility and influence. And that's a thing. And that requires leadership. In fact, all of the five system require both administration and leadership skills. And so as a church, we needed to get better and better at helping the people that were responsible for forming the, and running these ministries learn how to lead. It means we needed to learn how to lead leaders. And if we're going to have great churches that are flourishing, then you and I need to continue to invest in leading leaders, learning how to lead leaders, not just tell people what to do or give them tasks, but recruit people of capacity uh, to take an area of responsibility. And hopefully it's a call in their life to do something, take ownership and to create vision around an, an, a ministry that can absolutely transform lives and help people fall deeper in love with Jesus, his church and his mission. And so that's about leading leaders. And so one of the things that I see Every single time I coach is we have great hopes and expectations for all kinds of ministries in the church, but we do not invest regularly in the people leading them. In fact, we don't even call them leaders, a person usually that just fills out the schedule. In fact, some churches, all they have this poor secretary, they're responsible for just getting the information out, filling out the rosters and, and distribute them. They don't even have ministry leaders. And so that's very common in the church, but your church is not going to reach its redemptive potential. It's not going to be able to empower people to serve if you don't have a whole structure and system and process in each of the ministries to welcome, onboard, promote, recruit, and mobilize people for impact. It's a whole set of skills that are required if we're going to mobilize our parish. I often say, um, first, somebody needs to be evangelized, and then they need to be mobilized. And so sometimes people get really frustrated about hearing about alpha, alpha, alpha all the time because alpha's primary purpose is evangelization. And so they get frustrated because we do it twice a year, every, every year. And so people get tired of hearing it when, especially when they need more volunteers in their particular ministry. If they want to help them see the game plan, which I'm going to show you a bit later. They'd be able to make sense of, 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 of why evangelization is so important because once somebody comes to Christ and turns their life over to Jesus and then begins to grow as a disciple, they'll want to serve and will want them to serve. And that's at that point that settling into a ministry or two becomes really important. And so we all need to be invitational to get people to come home to Jesus so that we can then backfill some of these ministries that make our church amazing. And so that's our definition of service. Committing time to love and minister to others with a heart of generosity in the name of Jesus. Right? Because we can serve in all kinds of great things, but it's not necessarily in the name of Jesus. We can do one without a generous heart, too. We can do it out of guilt. We can do a lot of things. But again, how whatever definition you come up with for service, share it with us. 
we would love to hear from you. Go to HuntleyLeadership.com, hit connect or subscribe to us, send us a note, and we would love to hear what you come up with. And so let's go to the next one, which is worship. Our definition is helping people to surrender to Jesus and to be transformed by the love of the Father and filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, worship, helping people surrender to Jesus over and over and over again, and to be transformed by the love of the Father and be filled with the Holy Spirit, to both cooperate and to collaborate with the grace of God. The highest form of prayer we have as Roman Catholics is the Sunday Mass, the Holy Eucharist. It's where we gather in thanksgiving and let God do what only God can do and be on the receiving end of his awesomeness is the miracles of the mass and his presence with us it is amazing but it's not the only way we can help people grow in worship it's it's the most important way but it's not the only way and so if you break down your worship experience or your sunday experience like what what are the components of that that you could be good at i know father james mallon talks about hymns homilies and hospitality I think Father Michael White and Tom Corcoran from Rebuilt, they talk about music, ministry, and, uh, oh, what's the third one? Music, ministry, and, oh, anyway, the word, <laughs> the preaching, it's awesome. You guys have it. If you're listening to this, send me a note and tell me what it is. But they're fantastic. But it's the same point. Like, is your hospitality as amazing? Is your preaching great? And is your music engaging? And can people sing along? I was just at Mass this past weekend. And I love singing. It helps me celebrate and pray. And and they were songs I knew, but they were in keys that made it impossible. The choir was a solid five out of ten. And and it was just so disappointing. It was so hard to enter in. And I want to enter in. I can't imagine what it's like being a guest who comes and experiences that. It's not cool. And so if you want to make your weekend experience better, you're going to have to invest, you're going to have to define, and you're going to have to be intentional. And that's really helpful. But there are other ways. I know we do praise and worship nights. We do adoration nights. There are lots of things that we can do to help people surrender to Jesus over and over and over again, to live a life of holy communion, to be in communion with our Father in heaven. I don't want to just receive Holy Communion. We're called to live in Holy Communion. And that requires surrender and trust. And, and I need a community around me that will help me be that person. And because I can be selfish. I can be fearful. I can be forgetful. Um, I can be negligent. I can be a lot of things that aren't helpful <laughs> in, my, in my call to holiness. And that's the beauty of a church that's on fire is it's expect, if, if it's expected of us and if we're helping each other move in that direction, then the Sunday experience and all the other different forms of devotionals that we have can, can be a real uh, tool to help us be a blessing to one another, to hold each other accountable, to grow closer to God, because the closer I am to God, the better I am to my wife, the better father I am to my kids, the better friend I am to my pals, the better son I am to my parents, the better business leader I am to my staff, and people I work with. And so I just believe that God makes everything better. <laughs> if you believe that too, then we're going to have to get better at meaning being intentional about the quality and about the diversity of our worship experiences. And so I hope that's helpful. Those are the five systems. If we were really good 
at evangelization, if we had a primary tool that we got really good at executing so that we we're successful at bringing new people to a place of decision where they're choosing because they've had an encounter with Christ to put them at the center of their lives. Wow, that's earth shattering. And that's so cool. And we need to do that. If we're not doing that, we're going to grow smaller and we're going to grow older. And that to me is a tragedy. The second one is discipleship. Discipleship is once somebody has become a disciple, once they're once they're in, are we growing them? Or are they the same now as they were 20 years ago? They know no more about their faith. They're not growing in maturity whatsoever and their knowledge of, of Jesus, his mission and his church. We have a responsibility and opportunity to, to think through what is our platform for discipling people and how can we continue to invite new people into that so there are wonderful experiences. The third one is service. Are we able, or no, sorry, fellowship. How are we helping people do life together? That's rooted in Jesus, uh, helping grow and build authentic Christian friendships that help sustain us through good times and in bad. That's just so important. And I know the way we do it, it also helps families and kids normalize the Christian life in homes, not just in churches on Sundays. The fourth one is service. We, it's not what we want from people. It's what we want for people. When you use your gifts to build up the kingdom of God, there's nothing like it. And so we want people to experience that. And if we're going to ex help people experience that, it's going to require great leadership and administration in every single ministry. And if you're a church or a priest that's doing it all yourself or you and your secretary are doing it all yourself, would you stop for the love of Pete? Would you stop? And would you start developing a vision for mobilizing and empowering people to take on those things so that they can grow? You know, that same person, uh, Pastor Rick Warren said, don't use people to build up your church. Use your church to build up people. And that's what ministry and service, that's what it enables us to do build up others by serving in ministry. So that's helpful. And the fifth one is worship, helping people to surrender to Jesus over and over and over again. So they're growing in authenticity, they're growing in holiness, and we're doing it with and for each other to glorify God. Those are the five systems. And we need to measure where are we at now, where do we feel called to go in the next five years? And maybe what are the things that we can do this year? What are the two, one, two, no more than three things we can do this year in that area to grow towards being a missional, fruitful, vibrant parish? I hope that's helpful. I said I was going to share with you our game plan to talk to you about the strategy that we had to bring this to life. We called it the game plan. And here it is for those of you that are watching on YouTube. And for those of you that aren't, I'm going to describe it so that you can hear it. So our purpose is to form disciples who joyfully live out the mission of Christ. That's our purpose, to form disciples. That means make new ones. And once you've made them, to, to mature them and grow them. Why? So that they joyfully live out the mission of Jesus Christ. God has a purpose for everyone's life. And we want to help them realize that because that's where joy and happiness and peace is found in walking in holy communion with the God who created you. 
So here's our game plan. It's messy. It's not. It, it looks linear. It's not. And people can jump in at any place, but it all makes sense. So let me walk through it quickly. The first icon represents being an invitational church. If we are not being invitational, we're shrinking and dying. It's that simple. And so many of the things that we offer in the church can sometimes lack quality. And so we don't invite because sometimes we're embarrassed. You know, if uh, if I can't cook and I invite my friend, my kids to bring their friends over for dinner, they're probably not going to do it because there's only so many times you can get away with eating craft dinner. And so we have to get good at the quality of the programs we're running if we expect people to invite. But even with that in mind, we have to constantly be encouraging people to invite because in the Catholic tradition globally, it's not something we're particularly good at. So we can never take our foot off the pedal of invitation. The next icon is Alpha because ultimately we want everyone to experience Alpha, whether they're lifelong Catholics, they don't have any faith at all, or they've got one foot in and one foot out. Why? Because Alpha is about three things. It's about Jesus, it's about the Holy Spirit, and it's about others. And what we find is even people that have been lifelong Catholics, when they come through Alpha, they, it, it confirms what they already know about their faith in ways that are really encouraging. They fall in love with others because you have dinner with the same people 11 weeks in a row. And they're often introduced to the Holy Spirit in a very practical way that transforms their life. And that's what we want for everybody. And so for new people, it's so exciting to watch them discover Jesus for the very first time and begin to grow in trust with him. And so we want everybody to come home to God. And Alpha is our primary tool for evangelization. After that, we have an icon that shows the Alpha team. Now, that's really strange. Why would that be the case? Because Coming back on team is how we form, identify, and raise up leaders. It's really important. People are invited back on team. They do not volunteer to come on team. And so you can only do alpha once. And if you're invited to come back, it's because you've been invited to come back to serve. And so serving on team helps us to grow people and see if they're good at listening good at following directions, good at being a team player. Are they showing up on time? Do they bring a great attitude? And can we count on them? Because those are all characteristics and qualities of people that we want to elevate and influence and responsibility. And so it takes time to see if somebody is who they say they are or have the character that's required to develop leadership. And so often... We don't have platforms for that in the church. We just stick people in places and then we get lumped with them, whether they're good or not. We don't even know how to develop them. When I'm with people that I've invited to be on the team for 11 weeks to serve the next group of people that are coming to Alpha, we're constantly able to speak our values into them as a church, what we're expecting of them, what we need from them to bring correction, to catch people doing things right, and to grow them in leaders, as leaders, sorry. And the second thing that it's really good for is, is in one of the podcasts I did last year, we talked to Sherry Waddell about the thresholds of discipleship. And growing in trust is really important. And sometimes coming on Alpha, they break through one or two of those thresholds. But some, a lot of times, I see it a lot, when they come back on team and they're actually serving, they break through other thresholds of discipleship and get to a place of all in. And so becoming back on the Alpha team if people are invited, is really important. We're constantly kicking people off of Alpha because it's not a club. It's a 
pipeline that we kick people out on the other end so that they can join other ministries. People do not stay in Alpha. They are invited to take on different roles to develop them in leaders and spit them out the other end so they can serve in all kinds of different ministries within the parish. The next icon is connect groups. Connect groups are where Alpha alumni go to connect and grow. Alpha, for us, connect group leaders are the highest form of leadership in our parish outside of ordained ministry. In essence, they're running house churches. They're an extension of the pastor's responsibility to ensure everybody's pastored. If you have a reasonable sized church as the parish priest, you're never going to be able to pastor each and individual person. You can't be their personal chaplain, although many people put that expectation on you. And I guess a lot of times you put that expectations on yourself, but it's not possible. But connect groups make it possible. And so when we invite people to be connect group leaders, I write their names down based on are they faithful, available, contagious, and teachable? Are they fact? Faithful, available, contagious, and teachable. And then I'd share those with the pastor and say, here's the people I'd like to invite to be connect group leaders as we continue to expand. And ultimately, he would get to say yay or nay, because they're an extension of his responsibility to ensure people are pastored. And so once we got the yay, then we invited them in to become leaders. We'd form them as leaders, and then we'd gather a group of 20 to 30 people around them, and we begin to hold connect groups in people's homes. So a whole strategy around that. Love to share with you. If you want some more information, reach out to us. After that, the next icon is ministry. Again, if you're not giving, you're not living. It's not what we want from you. It's what we want for you. We expect everybody who considers themselves a member of our parish to be contributing. It's like we're in a war canoe. You're not in the boat to put the oar on your lap and look around and watch the birds. If you're in the boat, pick up an oar and row. And that's what we want and expect of everybody at our parish. Everyone serves. Uh, it's not a participant. Uh, <laughs> it's not a spectator sport. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> the next icon is discipleship groups. Discipleship groups, the primary tool we have for discipleship groups is small groups, groups of between four and 10 people where it has a very specific focus. It lasts for a specific period of time, whether it's a Bible study, a book study, uh, it could be an interest group, it could be a hiking group, they get together and they pray and there's lots of different ways and expressions for discipleship groups. But those are done in small groups, unlike connect groups, which is larger, kind of a host church uh, kind of a space. And finally, worship. Uh, we want everybody and expect everybody to worship at least weekly with us on Sundays um, and, uh, and to grow closer to Christ. And that's our game plan. That is how we form disciples who joyfully live out the mission of Christ. If you consider all five of those systems that we talked about in the five systems, they fall into these categories. And this was the outward facing game plan that we'd be inviting people to. So when I would have discussions with ministry leaders and they'd be talking about their ministry, I would be able to tell them where they fit into the game plan, where their particular um, prayer group or ministry or what have you fits into this game plan. And it all boils back to being invitational and bring people to Jesus because once they're evangelized, then they need to be mobilized and discipled. And so if 
if we're only counting on a few people to do that, we're in trouble. But as a church, if we get that, understand that, support that, then we can support each other and grow as a parish to be wildly fruitful. That's my hope for you. I hope this has been helpful as we've unpacked those five systems. Again, encourage you to read the book, um, Purpose Driven Church by Pastor Rick Warren. Um, it's a fantastic book. And I hope that this has been helpful. Please reach out to us. Let us know what you're doing. Subscribe to our newsletter. Go to HuntleyLeadership.com. Um, hit subscribe or hit contact us. And if you have any questions or you want to share with us where you're stuck or where you're receiving some wins, because we're all in this together. Thank you for what you do. We'll see you next time. God bless. I want to encourage you as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time. And remember, if you're still breathing, you are powered for impact.